stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, good afternoon. I'm Zach in for Rob Breckenridge today. It's 1235 and it's Friday today. And I sort of came into this day thinking, you know what? Let's uh, let's throw out some softballs today. Why not? It's Friday. Everyone's slowly slipping into holiday mode. Let's throw out some softballs. Well, um, I hope to talk about some things that are a little bit more fun and playful today, but we're not going to start with a softball at all. I... One thing that I like to do in the show is I sort of like to set out where things fit and how things land in the world of the day-to-day. And inside that, I like to sort of attach some words and stuff. And inside attaching those words to what's happening is there are patterns, there's some toxicity, and there are things going on that I think are really, really exciting. I think they're disguised, though. And in the conversations, I'm hoping that we can look through the mask and look through the disguise where things are happening and try to speak from the perspective of what's possible and what do we really mean. It's kind of conceptual, I understand. I'll explain. Over the last bunch of weeks, Alberta separation has been a conversation that has been stronger and stronger. I got into a Facebook conversation where somebody from BC tried to, you know, bait me into this we stuff and, and Alberta this and Alberta whiners. Oh my goodness. It was incredible. And, um, I don't like to communicate like that anyway, that that's not my thing. And I most certainly don't get involved in, uh, keyboard warrior arguments. I always sort of say, let's talk about it. Use the phone nine seven four eight two five five. I want to hear it. I want you to hear me. I want to hear you. And in the conversation about separation, I had simply shared um, equalization and some of the things that Albertans feel is unfair. And then the conversation gets, twi- gets twisted and turned into so many more things all of a sudden. I'm like, no, no, no. All I'm suggesting is, is that I get it. I get why everyone's unhappy. That's it. That's all I get. And so... That's the twist, and I'm seeing it again and again and again, and it's not only the conversation about uh, separation, which I'm not even comfortable saying. I would rather say, how do we create a new Canada, a Canada that works? And so by twisting that around for me, I feel like we land in a place that really does make the conversation more clear. And I don't know how this is going to go, but he always has something to say. Uh, Tristan Hopper is a writer for the National Post. And he, uh, five months ago, wrote in July an article that has been uh, rehashed, recycled, and reposted. And it's been a part of a lot of Facebook conversations. And that's where we're going to start today because I figured, well, let's get, um, let's get some information about all of this. Tristan, why Alberta separatism is the dumbest political movement in Canada today? That was the article in the headline. Yes, uh, that is the uh, somewhat inflammatory title. 
But uh, I would compare it to, and I have often compared Alberta separatism to communism. Um, there's a lot of overlap between the two. Um, most, uh, first off, whenever you're emailing either a communist or an Alberta separatist, they're always about two follow-up questions away from saying what they're going to do to you when the revolution actually comes. Uh, so, you know, a communist is like, well, we'll send you to the camps and we'll exclude you. Uh, yeah, a lot of my correspondence with Alberta separatists have been, well, once we declare independence, you're the first one uh, to be excluded. So not not the biggest tent uh, movement, but further on to that comparison between the communism and the, uh, the Alberta separatism, uh, you can have sympathy, of course, uh, with the origins of the movement. So, you know, you're a coal worker in 1905, Saskatchewan. Uh, you know, you're getting you got no health benefits. You got no social safety net, whatever. Uh, you obviously have some grievances in that situation. But communism maybe isn't the best response to that, tearing down, you know, the entire fabric of society and putting a tyrant in charge who locks people in food and gulag. So similar, not as extreme with Alberta separatism, but obviously we have lots of grievances uh, with Ottawa and with the country as a whole and which with whichever province has decided to pick a fight with us. But uh, the actual declaring independence thing uh, is just one of those things that's going to hurt everybody and is a terrible idea. Well, well, we'll talk about that. My my question to start, though, is, I mean, really communism is, this is kind of the anti, even though you tie it together, and I think I understand why you, you get that with the sentiment that's behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But really, I mean, technically it would be the anti-communism, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, this is exactly what everyone's trying to step away from. They're trying to step away from the feeling that the oppressive thumb is is what is keeping Alberta in a place where it's unhappy. No, I'm saying a communist is very much like a, uh, an Alberta separatist. For instance, a lot of the details on Alberta separatism, uh, the data really isn't there. So you bring up, uh, hey, where's your coastline? How are you going to build pipelines when you're surrounded by foreign countries? It's hard enough within a country that we're part of. You know, some legitimate grievances. And the response they'll usually get is, hey, don't worry, that'll be all be worked out after we declare independence. And then everything will kind of work out itself out in the wash. And I've heard that hundreds of times from communists. Like, well, this sounds like a terrible idea. Why would people work uh, when there's no incentive to do so? It's just don't worry. Once the revolution comes. There'll be, you know, an outpouring of joy, and then everything else will figure itself out. And then, uh, you know, when I point to previous data, which shows that it doesn't work, very similar to communists saying, well, real communism has never been tried. So I'm saying they're equally obnoxious and ill-informed. Okay, well, I can, you are allowed to have that opinion. I would just suggest that, you know, I think, I, I don't support Alberta separatism, to be clear when I say this, but what I can appreciate about Alberta separatism is that, um, that I think that people are trying to step away from the government. So I would just suggest that it's the opposite of that. But it's okay. We can agree to disagree. I think that the um, some of the points you make in this article are really, really fantastic about what the impact of a landlocked Alberta looks like in the, in the case of this. And the whole pipeline thing afterwards, I, I would love to chat with you about that because that's curious to me. So sure, yeah. uh, my biggest thing about all of this, about anybody who thinks that this is an option or not an option... Either way, if it's on your radar and on your heart, I would suggest that you just watch Brexit because that's what we're talking about. And yeah, well, um, it's Brexit times five. Well, it, it, it really it, is, it's and it's 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 Brexit, but it's not really Brexit for England. It's Brexit for Ireland, who is now stuck on the other side of uh, of all of that. So, some of the things from the article specifically that you suggested was uh, like no coastline and other items. What did you have that? impact and change all of this for Alberta if Alberta were to not be part of Canada? 
Yeah, so you mentioned uh, Brexit. So you cut off ties with Canada. Well, the, the number one thing is no coastline. So, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot different for Alberta to separate than, say, British Columbia uh, or Quebec. So, uh, if, so basically, we are dependent on get everything, basically everything we consume in Alberta and basically everything we sell is dependent on moving that to a coast where it can be shipped abroad or to a pipeline or whatever. Um, so our economy shuts down unless we can move things out of the province and move things into the province. So suddenly, if you declare independence and you're just a landlocked country, again, surrounded by foreign territory, you are completely dependent on those foreign territories for your trade. So you basically, you're independent, you can set your own laws, but economically speaking, all of those places have you by the balls. So you can think, well, we can do. We don't have to do what Ottawa says anymore. But Ottawa is now running a country that completely surrounds you on three sides, and then their closest ally surrounds you on the fourth side. So uh, you may not have the level of independence that you thought, because you can't really define your own destiny when you're surrounded by a potentially hostile power. Now, you had suggested airplanes and trains and the impact of those things. What are those? Oh, yeah, you can't move. Well, you can't. Any train would have to go uh, either from the east coast. Yeah, that would have to go to Canadian territory. You can't even land a plane. I mean, international uh, air rights. Uh, if if you're doing a direct flight from Edmonton to say Germany, um, it needs to get uh, permission from Canada or the United States to fly through any of those territories. So anything Alberta does to keep itself afloat, it needs permission from Canada or the United States. So this idea that we'll just declare independence, screw Ottawa, up yours, keep the debt. Uh, that's not going to work when five minutes later you have to say, oh, we need to run a train in. Could you please run it in? Uh, you know, if, uh, if they decide they didn't like the terms of you departing Canada, hey, Ottawa could easily block that train. The Doesn't that go the other way, though, where you can say, okay, well, if because this is the first thing a separatist is going to say, and this is the part that I find curious, is that yeah. Alberta controls its airways and every flight would have to go around Alberta and Alberta controls its land and every train would have to go around Alberta and every truck would have to go around Alberta. Does that not give Alberta all of the all of the leverage it needs to get a pipeline then as soon as Alberta says no trains, no trucks, no planes. You all got to go around. Give us a pipeline. You can come through. It, get, it gives it gives it some leverage, but uh, it is way easier uh, for Canada to conduct business as if Alberta isn't there than it is for Alberta to conduct business as if Canada isn't there. I would compare it to the recent postal strike. Uh, postal strikes used to be, you know, they they were crushing major events in Canadian history. You could not get anything without the postal strike. But as a millennial, I didn't even notice. I'm using the internet. All my package delivery is by private firms. Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of leverage. So I would compare it to. Alberta, yeah, if you're running uh, stuff from Vancouver into Saskatchewan, that's going to be a problem. But um, it's not that hard uh, to ship in stuff through Montreal and ship it west uh, to Saskatchewan. So it'd be a pain in the ass for Canada. But they could figure it out, uh, whereas Alberta would be absolutely devastated if uh, Canada decided to blockade us on trade. Tristan Hopper from the National Post, and this article has been shared many times on Facebook, so clearly it's uh, resonating somewhere. The piece that you had in it, about joining the United States and how the American government likes to really lean on its mineral-rich states anyway, and the impact of Alberta becoming an American state doesn't change much. Can you elaborate? Yeah, so uh, one of the main complaints, uh, which I think has uh, some legitimacy, is that we pay a crap load of taxes, and we don't get that back in terms of spending. So I think the gap is $21 billion a year or something. So we pay $21 billion in income taxes that do not come back to Alberta in the form of spending. There's not a lot of federal spending in Alberta, and we're all super rich, uh, so that means a whole bunch of our money is going into federal treasuries, 
and the government isn't uh, spending it back. Uh, that's exactly what the United States does to its rich states. So North Dakota, California, same thing. They're sending a bunch of money to Washington that they don't get back in the, ter- in, in the form of spending. So North Dakota, um, rich, oil-rich place, you know, very similar to Alberta in those, those senses. They pay a bunch of money in taxes. That's all gets sent to Alaska or Puerto Rico or some, you know, new community center some, somewhere, and they don't see that money. So uh, it would be – sometimes it's actually worse. So to think that we're not going to get fleeced by a federal government by joining the United States is wrong, and our influence goes way down. Uh, so Alberta is a pretty powerful and rich influential portion of a country of 36 million people uh in the united states i think we'd be the 28th largest and only the 25th richest in terms of gdp um i think we uh, in terms of gdp and population we'd be about the same as oregon so oregon is not new york or california or virginia it's not a particularly influential state in the union so right now we're in a country where every once in a while an Albertan is prime minister for 10 years. Um, it's a part of the country that you actually have to pay attention to if you want to win elections. Um, there are political movements that come out of Alberta and change the rest of Canada. You know, the NDP was founded here, so was the, the Conservative Party, so was the Reform Party. Um, so you join the United States, and it becomes much easier for a federal government to ignore you. This starts to feel like a Star Wars movie. You know what's really cool about um, that my son taught me just this week? is that there are more people in the state of California than there are in Canada. And I think we've got to keep that in mind. Tristan Hopper from the National Post, thanks for sharing your thoughts and elaborating on the article. If you haven't read it, I do recommend you check it out, um, no matter where you sit, because it's certainly a good read, and there's some really good points there. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.